Well, welcome to the season of Advent. The world doesn't talk about Advent much. We're all about Christmas, aren't we? If you've been to the mall, they start decorating for it in, what, September? Something like that? The, the, the Christian season of Advent is actually the beginning of what we call the Christian year. So for the Christian year, the new year has already begun because it begins with Advent. The word Advent means the arrival of something. We're, we're looking forward to something or someone significant arriving. For Christians, we know that you know, this is Jesus being born in Bethlehem. That's why we call it um, Advent. Um, being born in the world, fully human yet fully divine. And the tough part for Advent, for all of us, is that Advent is a season of waiting. We don't like to wait. We want things now, don't we? We want them now. We want to jump right into singing those Christmas carols. Yeah, I heard that amen. You know, I'm sure you looked at this bulletin. Hey, it's Christmas. Where are the Christmas carols? There's a time for them. But this is Advent. It's the season of waiting. I mean, expectant parents have to wait nine months for their baby. We Christians just have to wait four weeks for ours. Christmas will be here soon enough. But this is the period of waiting. And in this Advent season, here at Centenary, our sermons are going to be focused on different aspects of the nature and character of Jesus. These sermons are focused to help us get to know this baby so that when we come to worship on Sunday, December 25th, we'll know who it is that we're worshiping and celebrating. So this morning, we're looking at a, at a powerful section of the book of Colossians in which Paul describes in powerful terms the authority of Jesus. You know, sometimes we like to put Jesus in a little personal box. We make him into an image that fits our agenda or our expectations. Jesus is too great for that. He's beyond what we want to make him. He is beyond anything we can conceive. That's how great he is. Paul says Jesus is so powerful and he has so much authority that he himself holds all of creation together. That's Jesus. Many scholars have called Colossians chapter 1, verses 15 to 17, some of the strongest statements in the Bible about who Jesus is. And I think that's the first point I want to make in our scripture passage today. If Jesus didn't have the authority that he does, nothing could exist. We'd all be toast. We wouldn't even be here if Jesus didn't have the authority that he has. Next in this passage, Paul tells us that, that Jesus is the head of the church. And the church is his body. So let's just put this in an image here. If, if Jesus is the head and we're the body, then he's the brain, isn't he? Jesus is the brain. 
I mean, everything that a body needs to survive comes from our head. From the process of thinking to the beginning of the manipulation of our fingers to directing our heart to beat and our lungs to breathe, without our head, we couldn't survive. From our earliest days, I know it was for me and still happens from time to time, people will say, Mike, just use your head. Use your head. Anybody ever say that to you? Or am I the only one that makes these bonehead decisions? Mike, use your head. What were you thinking? See, when we make decisions outside of our head, that's when we get in trouble. Like, oh, I just see this puppy and I just want it so much. And I feel so sorry for it. And it's all alone. And I just need to adopt it. Oh, and there's this one too. That's making a decision with our heart, not with our head. And yes, it's good to save puppies. I'm not anti-puppy. But we need to make decisions with our head, with our minds. Making a decision with our emotions rarely ends well. But we do this all the time. If we didn't, then advertisers wouldn't be making millions of dollars every year. When was the last time you saw a logical commercial? You need to purchase this car for this reason, this reason, this reason, this reason. It makes logical sense. No. They want us to make decisions with our emotions. Think about how that relates to the church. If we as a church make decisions not from the head, who is Jesus, but from somewhere else, we get ourselves in trouble. It's dangerous to our very souls if we make decisions based on our emotions. Thinking should belong to the brain in our head. I think that's the second point that I see in this scripture passage. Without Jesus as the head of the church, the church would not exist. Jesus is the Lord over us. And the primary work of the church is to lead other people to Jesus. That's who we are as a church. Of all the things that we can do, our number one job is to point people to Jesus. In verse 18, Paul writes how Jesus was the firstborn of the dead. That's kind of a strange statement, isn't it? It's kind of a fancy way of saying that Jesus is the first one to rise from the dead. And this is key in Paul's understanding of Jesus. Paul says that what makes Jesus the head of the body of Christ is that he rose from the dead. In 1 Corinthians 15, Paul even states that if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then the Christian faith is dead. Belief that Jesus physically rose from the dead is essential to our faith. Because if he didn't, then Christianity is meaningless. Listen, if, if Jesus is dead and buried somewhere in a lost tomb outside of Jerusalem, let's just all go home and watch the morning news shows. 
What's the point? There's no hope to our lives if Jesus did not physically rise from the dead. That's what gives him his authority and his power. Jesus is alive. He did rise from the grave. He does live forevermore with power and authority. You know, sometimes we have doubts about Jesus' authority in our lives. Maybe it's because we want to be the one to maintain control of our relationship with God. Maybe we lose hope and we get discouraged because our hope is in earthly things and in people. And our hope is not in the one who has overcome the world. Let's get back to Colossians here. Paul says in verse 19 that in Jesus is the fullness of God. Not just part of God. He wasn't just part God when he lived on the earth. When Jesus walked around, he was the fullness of who God is. Jesus is completely God. And as God, he has the authority to make peace between ourselves and God. See, a human wouldn't have that kind of authority to do that. But Jesus does. And if you have your Bibles, we get to verse 21. And we have kind of a controversial verse here. It's not a very politically correct verse. But it's in the book. Listen to what Paul says here. This isn't very nice. He says, until we give our lives to Christ, we're enemies of God. Well, that's, that's not very nice. It doesn't sound very Christian. That's not very loving. That doesn't bring people together. That just separates people. How could someone be an enemy of God? Oh my goodness. Yet that's what the Bible says. That's what Paul writes. Until we give our lives to Jesus, we are working against God. But look what Paul also says. When we believe in the truth of who Jesus is, when we give our lives to Jesus, God allows his enemies to become his friends. We become part of his body. We can stand before God holy and blameless, freed from a life of sin. That's the promise. And I think that's the third point we see in this scripture passage. Without Jesus, our relationship with God cannot exist. Only Jesus has made it possible for us to go from being sinful enemies of God to being holy and blameless children of God. It's all through Jesus. Now I know you're sitting there and you're saying, this does not sound like an Advent sermon. This is, this is not a Christmas sermon. But see, I think it's important for us to remember that this child that was promised to Mary wasn't just any child. Remember what the angel told Mary in Luke chapter 1? Listen to how this angel described this baby 
that she was going to have. He will be very great. He'll be called the son of the most high God. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will have no end. It's a pretty important baby. The child announced to Mary was such a miracle and he would have so much power and might that the child of God, the the spirit of God would come over her and this baby would be created in her womb. Even before he was born, Jesus' power and might was already at work in the world. See, the authority of Jesus is ultimate. It's supreme. Human rulers are going to come and go. Dictators like Fidel Castro, who thought they were so powerful, they're all going to die. Holy Christian leaders like Billy Graham might preach to millions of people around the world, but one day he's going to die too. See, our allegiance is not to human leaders. Our hope is not in what they promise or in the image that they create of themselves. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And we can place our hope in him because of who he is. Think about who Jesus is, what we know from the Bible. God himself, born in a cattle stall, in an insignificant town, a miracle worker, the changer of lives, who died the death of a criminal to take the punishment for our sins, who physically rose from the dead and lives in power and glory for eternity. That Jesus, he's the one who's the head of the church. He's the one who's who's the head of all the churches around the world that make up the body of Christ. Let's, let's, Let's land this plane. What does it mean for you and for me that Jesus has all authority in heaven and on earth? How does that affect our lives? When we go to work tomorrow or put our kids in bed or deal with health issues as we get older. How does Jesus' authority affect that? Well, think about this. The ruler of heaven and earth, this Jesus that we're talking about, he knows your name. Not only that, he loves you so much that he laid his life down for you. He knows your fears. He knows what stresses you out. He knows your deepest secrets and what you're ashamed of. And he still loves you. And think about this. Jesus Christ, the ruler of heaven and earth, isn't just with you wherever you go. His spirit lives in you. In you. If we really, truly realize that, 
It would change how we approach life every day. The Holy Spirit of God lives in you. So if Jesus Christ is the supreme ruler of all that exists, and if he's given us his spirit to empower us, please tell me what on earth we have to fear. Because I can't think of anything. We don't have to fear anything on earth or from the depths of hell because the spirit of Jesus Christ lives in us. Now, if that doesn't wake you up in the morning, I don't know what will. We can face anything life throws at us because Jesus has overcome the world. See, this is why having a proper understanding of who Jesus is makes all the difference to us. Jesus is the one who gives us life. He gives us salvation. He gives us his Holy Spirit. And we just want Advent and Christmas to be about a little baby. Let's remember who that baby is. And it'll make this Christmas a lot different. Let's pray.